the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete weekly lineup of eight distinct podcasts. Starting on Sunday, setting the record straight with pastors Gordon Runyon, Jason Garwood, and Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Mondays, the Post Mill Report with Nathan F. Conkey. Tuesdays, Acts to the Root with Bojidar Marinov. Wednesdays, the Hellraiser Report with Scott Allen Buss. Thursdays, The War Room with Bill Evans and Jason Sanchez. Fridays, Once Dead, where Christians give testimonies of God's grace upon their lives. And Saturdays, Restoring America One County at a Time Lectures with Joel McDermott. And our new podcast, No Neutrality, with various contributors. Please don't forget to subscribe to each individual podcast or the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where you will get all of the content we produce, including our free audiobooks. Don't forget to go to reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator and to partner with us financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom. Tactics for Strategic Christian Living. Mighty Lord, extend your kingdom. Be the truth with triumph crown. Let the lands that sit in darkness hear the Good afternoon. Welcome to the War Room. This is Bill Evans from sunny Jacksonville, Florida. I'm here with Traveris Tut, pastor of Truth and Grace Church uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, I first heard about Traveris from Joel McDermott, and he suggested that I reach out to this brother and get to know a little bit about what... Uh, what the Lord has called him to, a little bit about his uh, introduction. So welcome, brother. Thanks, man. Grace and peace. Yeah, this is a, isn't this a, isn't this a, a, a neat RV I got here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't showed him all my private goodies where I keep all my good stuff. Anyway, uh, I've never met Traveris until about five, ten minutes ago. I was just reading um, his article on um, missions and missions where you are <laughs> doing missions where you are would you say that'd be a good paraphrase of yeah I mean pretty much um, I would say that it's more direct um, in the sense of dealing with uh, specifically with inner city uh, the neglect for inner city missions so um, that's what the overall target of the article is. Traverse, give our listeners an uh, introduction to yourself and to your uh, lovely bride. You've got four children with one uh, in a holding pattern. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, so like you said, my name is Travaris, pastor in the church at Truth and Grace Bible Church here in Jacksonville. And um, I have a wife and four kids, two boys and two girls. Um my two boys are the oldest. He's 26 years old. 26, yeah. So he's 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 figured out what makes babies. <laughs> and so um, so my two two boys are are the oldest. Two girls are the are the youngest. And then we have one on the way. She's about two months, um, or should be two months next week. So we don't know what we're having. We probably won't find out either because our last uh, child we waited till um, she actually had our you know daughter to find out was a surprise for us and your wife's name crystal okay how did you make your way how did first of all tell us how you came to christ yeah. what, did you come from a christian background um so i would say culturally yes so there was you know an upbringing in church going to church every sunday to about my teenage years um we were part of like you know just your regular baptist churches um 
I really had no clear understanding of the gospel. There was just a lot of, you know, tradition and, you know, a lot of cliches that I, you know, knew. However, um, God instrumentally used my, used that and my mother to, you know, uh, draw me to Christ. So, uh, my mother, she, um, prayed with us every morning, you know, she taught us a lot of, you know, uh, things that I think helped me to, uh, at least ponder, um, Christianity, you know? So when I got to my teenage years, there was like a lack of us going to, you know, church every Sunday. So did um, you have a relationship with your dad, with your father? Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, he was, you know, in the household, um, he worked a lot. So there was not a, a huge, strong, strong bond, but I mean, my dad was a worker, you know what I mean? So, uh, that's, so that's you did have the, that advantage yeah, that yeah. so many people today yeah. in the inner city don't have. For sure, for sure. And so, um, so yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, I think in my teenage years, I was like very curious. I got into a lot of trouble, you know, just hanging out with the wrong crowds, you know, getting involved with gang violence and you know, drugs hustling all types of stuff so um pretty much during those years i think when i got closer to 17 18 i started going to a church on my own uh the church that my parents were attended i guess i had some form of rebellion towards it i just didn't like it so i started going to this huge church downtown jacksonville and basically they're preaching emotionalism prosperity gospel um and you know i was lost so i just was going with the flow but the thing was i would go to that church on sundays and then leave right from church and go sell some pills you know <laughs> so it wasn't there was no effect that it was really having on me except an emotional one um so i got to the point where i started even questioning christianity itself um and just started, you know, dabbling in other religions, um, seeking out the Muslim faith, um, black consciousness. Um, and so that was, you know, a huge thing for me, black consciousness, because I was a big uh, black historian. Um, and so that was very compelling to me. So I started questioning different things. Why is it that, you know, uh, the pastor is preaching about God wants to bless you. And yet everyone that I see around me is struggling financially. Yet when we're going to church, they're saying, just have faith and God's going to bless you. So it just was a lot of questions. I didn't understand, you know, uh, the gospel message itself. When I heard the, the word gospel, all I could think of was gospel music. So <laughs> that was the, the, the most I understood. So basically, I got to a point where I got into some some issues here in Jacksonville. Um, and I knew that at that point, um, it was a matter of I was it was it was going to I was leading myself into a lot of darkness where death was all around me people were dying i was either gonna have to you know kill somebody or end up in jail so um me and a friend we decided we would pursue a music our music career uh by going to atlanta so we moved to atlanta and during that time like i said there was a lot going on in my life and i i started realizing my depravity at that time i started seeing my sinfulness and so i for the first time i think i i asked myself you know like do I really believe that if I died right now, you know, and face God, you know, where would I go? And so it wasn't like somebody actually came to me and preached the gospel. But when I went to Atlanta, I asked my, my charismatic cousin, um, who was a preacher, how do you understand this Bible? All I knew was a KJV. I'm like, how do you understand this? He's like, man, just pray, just pray before you read. And even in that, even though he wasn't able to give me any um, exposition on the scriptures, um, Ahead, keep on. You know, God even used that because, you know, when I got to Atlanta, we were in a hotel, um, like an extended stay hotel. And, um, I, you know, I remember getting down on my knees and telling, you know, telling God, I'm like, look, if you want me to understand you, um, you got to open, open, open mind to what exactly this, you know, these scriptures are saying. And so from that point, um, I just began to read, just read the Bible. And I read the whole Bible and I started researching. I remember sitting in the laundry room um, in the hotel complex. And, um, and basically some lady saw me reading the Bible and she said, you know, that's a, that's a good book. And I'm like, yeah, sure it is. It sure is. And so she tells me, um, I want you to go 
you know, find some channel, I forgot what channel it was in Atlanta, and watch this guy who was basically doing some expository preaching going verse by verse. That was the first time I ever heard somebody breaking uh, the scriptures down verse by verse. Um, and so, um, with that being said, with a mixture of his, you know, his teaching, I don't even remember who the guy's name name was, but, you know, with his teaching and um, me reading the scriptures, getting to the book of John and actually realizing that Jesus is God, because that was another question I had. I'm like, how is it that Jesus can save me from my sin? That was never thoroughly explained to me, that he was God in the flesh. Um, and then providentially, God used this girl who I was working with at, um, at Wells Fargo to buy me a book and she was actually going to a charismatic church and she just picked up this book in the store um it was actually by uh john MacArthur on how to study the bible started reading that started looking up some of his sermons ran into paul your paul washers tim conway's different people like that and started just getting a better understanding of the gospel so from that you know that is pretty much how the lord drew me who, who would you say has been your um uh and do you it now you're writing some, you started writing for American Vision. Yes, sir. How did you um, first come to be exposed to what we, what I guess you would call, we call Christian Reconstruction? Right. Uh, and uh, how did you get hooked up with American Vision? Did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? Yeah, so pretty much, um, I would say just through that, like, you know, that we were talking earlier, the influence of the scripture just showed me just practical things, you know, about how Christians should be involved in society itself. But I think one uh, big influence for me has been um, a brother named uh, Javon McKenzie and Ivy Connerly. Um, these were two brothers. We went to the same church here in Jacksonville uh, a while ago. Um, and, you is, know, is Ivy out in Phoenix now? He's actually out in California. Okay. So they both do rap. Um, I think I met Javon through, uh, a, you know, a show that we were both doing or something like that. Um, but I remember hearing his CD, and he was like the only one just talking about all the, you know, uh, false doctrine that was going on in the churches and whatnot in his music. And so just getting up with him, linking up with him. And I remember one time he came back from from Las Vegas, and his whole <laughs> it's like his whole life had changed. He was telling me about post millennialism, which I had never, you know, heard of. Um, and at that time, I think my view was conflicted between premillennialism and amillennialism. So um, I just had that. It just shaped my whole view. Although I immediately did not come to hold to the postmillennial view, that's when I started realizing, look, we're not we're not going to get you know taken out tomorrow. The world's not going to end tomorrow, you know. And so if that's the case, what are we supposed to be doing now, you know? And so from that, uh, just connecting with him. How I heard about American Vision, I believe, was through uh, Marcus Pittman um, doing interviews with Gary DeMar, then seeing Joe McDermott. Joe McDermott's been a huge influence. And then from there, just hearing about all the other guys like Bojadar, um, Matt Trella, you know, those have been huge influences for me. So Great. That's super. Uh, so it's like mine. Like I said, we call it organic. Organic an organic uh, experience. Not right. you didn't you didn't uh, have a a bookshelf full of Gary North or rushed any books you were reading. Right, right. Now you have started reading those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read you know some of the stuff you know here and there, um, you know different things, uh, PDFs and whatnot. So. Well, um, well, we we're glad that you're here on Reconstructionist Radio, and, and um, that's we we believe that God's using it, and and pray that He continues and. And it is a, re a, a repository for reformed and reconstructionist literature that hopefully the members of your congregation will right. be able to enjoy. Right. And, uh, and I was just talking to a brother earlier. They ultimately end up getting the books. Mm -hmm. When they listen to the audiobooks, they end up wanting the book right, because they right. want to study it, underline it, make notes. Uh, tell us about <clears throat> your fellowship there. In, in you know, You're from Jacksonville. Yeah, from Jacksonville. Uh, um, uh, tell us about uh, Grace and Truth Bible Church, and are you are you affiliated with anybody? Are you in fellowship with anybody or anybody else? Uh, have any oversight? Tell us how you came to a mm -hmm. at twenty six year old. Yeah, how you came to be in a position of uh, the head shepherd at this right, group right. of believers. Tell us about about your about your fellowship. Right. Yeah. So it pretty much was um, an organic church plant from. Uh, 
we were actually, uh, me and another family that uh, started the church or helped start the church, were actually, um, we had moved to Texas um, to be a part of a church called uh, Grace Community Church. Um, and they are actually, um, they're an autonomous church too, but however, they are connected with a fellowship of other churches around uh, the country. Um, and so we went out there to serve, be a part of that church. And due to certain circumstances, um, my old, you know, my oldest son, he's not mine biologically. Uh, he was um, there before me and my wife got married. So we had to come back based on um, a court situation with that. So <clears throat> after being out there for a little while, um, we had a desire to come back um, and see what we had saw out there. I mean, the church out there was such an encouragement as far as the faith and the things that they were doing in the community. They actually had their church in the inner city as well. Um, and just seeing the, the fellowship there, we had not seen here in Jackson other churches that we were um, attending. So um, initially it was, uh, you know, proposed to us to go back and plant a church um, in Jacksonville from the leaders there at Grace. Um, however, there was a little fear, you know, uh, in, in both of us. And we came back and we tried to go back to our old churches and that didn't work out because just worldviews and just uh, sin and whatnot in the church. So from that point, we, we realized that it was time to uh, just go ahead and, and plant the church. So there was about four families that, um, or three families that initially uh, were committed to uh, starting the church. And we didn't have an actual um, official structure yet as far as me me actually being the pastor. However, it just was like organically that I was leading in and them testing me out. And with the connection with the church out there in Texas as them coming out and fellowshipping with us and whatnot and just giving us counsel on how to move forth, eventually the church saw that I was supposed to lead the church um, in that manner. So I am as well as Another brother, he's, you know, our deacon, and we have uh, another brother who's actually in transition to be another elder of the church, too, so. Okay, so you have a Presbyterian government, but you're a congregation, but you're an independent congregation. Pretty, I mean, pretty much, yeah. So there's, you know, the situation with the church out there is we we, we have, you know, a lot of autonomy with our church, but we do get, you know, definitely a lot of counsel. Now, are, you all so. are you all confessional? Um, so... We're, we're pretty much going through a transition right now. I would say as we started the church, we were 1689, you know, however, now um, there are some things that we're working through, um, which I would say have to do more so with um, just our view on, you know, covenant theology. Um, and so I don't believe that we'll, you know, really be holding on to that, you know, much longer. So <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, the main thing is, though, uh, is well, whether it's 1689 or 39 right. Articles or Westminster, Heidelberg, whatever, mm -hmm. the fact is, is that uh, generally a confessional church uh, is, that's a buttress, that's a, that's a, right. a against ever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, now, it, now it, <laughs> it hasn't always worked that way for Presbyterians in the United States because, you know, they seem to run into error in spite of the fact that they've got a, a, a confession. But anyway, so um, what are some of the specific issues? You know, one of the things that we, I always say this, and then we always end up rambling and talking about every kind of thing under the sun. <laughs> but, you know, that we want to talk about, okay, how do we get there from here? Mm. You know, we, 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 we think we understand, and I'm not sure we always do, we think we understand what our objective is. Right, right. You know, when you just say, well, my objective is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, that's mm -hmm. great. That's wonderful. Amen. And that's certainly confessional, but it's 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 a little bit nebulous. I mean, yeah. can you can you break it down for me a little bit? Can you can you be a little bit more specific? Right, right. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And then we talk about Christianity as a social order. Yeah. And um, it's a faith for all of life. Yeah. In other words, there's no area mm -hmm. of human endeavor our experience that's not uh that god doesn't have something to say about right, he hasn't right. left us to grope around in the dark and whether it comes to running a business mm -hmm. whether it comes to having a successful marriage whether it comes to educating our children our economics or yeah. our, our sexuality anything god has something to say about it whatever god says about it mm -hmm. is law 
Right, right. Okay, and, and, and so, so the question is, we think, we say, okay, God, we, 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 we see this city on a hill or a transformed Jacksonville right. or transformed lives, lives, you know, again, for, if you if you can't visualize your goal clearly, it's doubtful that you're gonna know when you hit it. Right, right. And in right. fact, it may even be difficult to even really aim yeah. at it because you you don't have a clear. You know, it'd be like trying to go out deer hunting. You didn't know what a deer looked like. Right, right. I mean, that'd be hard. You know, be shooting trees and stuff. Yeah. So I guess the point is, is that from a 26 year old yeah. young pastor now, you uh, I, I, and that's a whole other story. I, what did you get? Uh, you, you didn't go to Bible college. Yeah, nah. There's yeah. been some, pretty much some training that was done through um, other means. So um, there's actually a brother here um, who's doing something that I think is amazing. He does like kind of like some free seminary training here in the inner city. Well, listen, um, I'm not neg- I'm not yeah, negged yeah. down on that because seminaries are one of the biggest problems we oh, have. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But nah, there's there hasn't been no for- formal education outside of those. Um, you know, it's just basically been my own personal study. But this brother here um, that I was just, you know, speaking of, I did get some training through him, some mentorship through him. And so other than that, no, no. Well, that'll training. never end. Yeah. You know, mentorship and relationships mm-hmm. uh, will never end. You know, I, my sure. my closest buddy is 67 or 68, and he has a man in his 80s that he relates to mm-hmm. as an elder brother. Yeah. So every Paul has a Timothy and every Amen. Timothy has a Paul. Amen. But uh, but specifically speak as you I'd like to hear your own uh, personal expression without me putting words in your mouth because mm-hmm. don't let me do that. Yeah. Of what your goal is in 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 this body, mm-hmm. in your community, in your neighborhood, in the whether you call it, whether you clearly d- distinguish your call being to the the black community. Mm-hmm. It, 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 uh, um, and what are your what are your great what are your challenges for sure for sure uh so i mean <clears throat> i'm pretty much i've come to the point where i've you know i'm unapologetic about what my goal is and you know initially i wasn't only and the reason why is because the only influence i had around me before starting you know this church um what were people who are just like you know everybody needs the gospel you know but that's usually only you know it only comes up usually when you talk about going to the inner city or you go you're going to the black community then it's like well everybody needs the gospel but when you know it comes down to it most it's not you know specifically in reformed churches because i'm going to be honest i mean armenian churches they have no problem you know i mean going out to to these communities for the most part but most most you know so-called reformed churches um when they seek to plant a church in the city they're going to the suburbs or a new community you know what i mean so if it's not um the reformed faith is predominantly a caucasian faith exactly exactly so i mean in the united states in the united states for sure not so much Mm -hmm. in other parts of the world exactly that's what's that's where it's always amazing as we listen to people like um uh, nathan conkey on the post mill report or we get some glimpses. Mm-hmm. How amazing! I watched these stuff about Uganda, Nigeria, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and Zambia, where the predominantly uh, is the Anglicans mm-hmm. that are shaking things up. Right, and, right. And, and, and so I think we look at the track record mm-hmm. of the American church. Yeah, and we look at it through the state of our of our culture right we say it's a pretty bad track record they're like the mets mm-hmm. i mean they, 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 don't, they ain't taking home any series yeah yeah so i mean you know it's it, it, so we need to look elsewhere yeah so hey why not why not in the inner city in mm-hmm. jacksonville exactly. start a reformed revival right exactly and and the thing is is that when you read a lot of writings, even from the Puritans, they they, they usually say, go, you know, they speak about going to the darkest places, you know, and that's where, you know, um, revival usually starts. Where sin so, abounds, grace yeah. abounds all the more. I mean, even when you see, exactly, when, even when you look in the Gospels, you look in Matthew, and it says Jesus goes where? You know, he goes, he goes to, to the, the outcasts. Right, to, to those who sit in darkness. So he, you know, so I'm not saying that um, there needs to be necessarily a partiality, of course, but it's kind of like the same... Um, 
the same thing that said about uh, planting churches uh, it, it echoes into the culture as well. So when you see something like Black Lives Matter, then you hear, well, all lives matter. Well, it's the same thing when the church says, well, we need to go to the black community to preach the gospel. Well, no, everybody needs the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that kind of hindered me from being unapologetic about it from the beginning. Um, but now I would say for sure, um, you know, because as working through it and, and, and being there and, and continuing to see the need, um, it's just, it's just, you know, to me, it's unexcusable. And it's uh, to the point where um, I think I look at it like, you know, we're going to just continue waiting and waiting and waiting for someone else to do it. Why not go forth and well, the thing I don't, the thing is, is I, we don't want, is we don't want men like you to be a novelty. Mm-hmm. You're not the token black in the reformed camp. Right, right. Sure. You're, we, we, you know, it's just like, um, uh, I was talking to Martin Sobrady about a brother up in Fort Worth, the guy's in a heavy metal, and mm-hmm. the guy looks like a serious rocker yeah. and motorcyclist, and he's, uh, his name is C.J. Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And this guy is making waves in that community where these people would never get within a hundred yards of a, of a Bible church. Yeah. But he is, and he is giving them life training yeah. and, you know, how to, how to be successful, how mm-hmm. to, you know, how to be successful in life. And, and, but he's a solid, yeah. unapologetic reconstructionist. Right, right. He just doesn't, he doesn't sport all the labels. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hang with the, all the, you know. He's not. He's not wearing it on his sleeve. Yeah, yeah. He's living it out in right. his culture, mm-hmm. and his culture happens to be a Hispanic, mm-hmm. um, heavy metal rocker. <laughs> you know, long haired yeah. tats. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's his culture. Yeah. And he's and he's tearing it up. Well, I think too much publicity sometimes could be bad anyway. You know, so when you're out, you know, as a celebrity preacher, you can kind of lose sight of like what you really were set out to do. So. Um, I think even like in, you know, what I've done, I've connected with pastors here locally. You know what I mean? Even if they're not necessarily having the same vision that I have. Do you find that they treat you like Timothy to despise your youth? A lot of them do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but then a lot of them don't. They they won't off. It's kind of subtle. You know what I mean? So I have some brothers that are like, they would never, you know, mention it. You know what I mean? They treat me as equal. But then some brothers are, you know, they will ask certain questions, you know, that I can see that's where you're headed with. It's like you're trying to be gentle about it. You know what I mean? But but, but what I was going to say, too, is that, you know, um, which is encouraging. You get to, you know, go to all these conferences and whatnot um, that pastors invite you to. And I noticed that, uh, you know, I do real estate, you know, and one thing I learned in real estate is that, you can go to a lot of, you know, learning sessions all day. You know, you can hang out with realtors all day. But in, if you want to make money, you have to go out there and sell to customers. And I noticed the same thing amongst, you know, a lot of Christian pastors there, constantly in conferences. Like, and it's not, it's, it's good for you to go to these conferences, but it's like every week there's a, another conference. And I'm like, you know, um, I look at that as, you know, when you, when you when you get so consumed into the conferences and being a celebrity preacher, then you you just lose touch with what God has actually called you to do. And so, um, so yeah, um, I think that's good what the brother's doing, and, and and maybe a lot of people may not know what he's doing, but um, I think that having a or organic you know network you know what I mean amongst brothers you know who who are like minded. Um, is always a good thing. Well, it doesn't surprise me that uh, Ivy Ivy Connerly was a big influence. I, I think he uh, he's good friends with Jeff Durbin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think I've heard. Doesn't he do the one with King Jesus? King Jesus. I mean, his his, his lyrics are mm-hmm. over the top post millennial. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, you yeah. know, right off the right off the bat where he's coming from, and it, and it's and I thought, man, I've never heard rap like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big rap listener, but right, right. nevertheless, I can listen to that because it's theologically sound. Yeah. You know, it's not just stuff. Yeah, he's about to come out with another one too. It's called King of Kingdoms. <laughs> so it's yeah, straight post millennial. But um, but you know, we need to build bridges. Uh, yeah. I was interested that you you um, have listened to or know or aware of of Matt Trahella because yeah, yeah. to me, uh, and I don't know if you've been paying attention uh, to the abolitionists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, a human abortion. Of course, they're big. You know, they make a big point of, of, of saying that, hey, you know, there was a time when, mm-hmm. when slavery was perpetuated here in the United States, mm-hmm. and, and 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 blacks were disenfranchised. Right. Right. And, yeah, I'm not going to claim that 
abolitionists ended slavery, I'm not even going to claim the war ended it. I mean, mm -hmm. prejudice, bigotry, racism uh, continues. It's a, it's a condition mm -hmm. uh, of the heart. You know, Vody Bauckham, who's a yeah. good guy, he said, you know, the problem is not skin, it's sin. And, uh, yeah. but um, it, it, is, it is impressive. I've talked to some, uh, because I get around to a lot of plants, and t I, was, I was up in uh, North Carolina somewhere, and a big chicken plant, and everybody worked there was black. I was the only white guy around. Mm -hmm. When I was talking to them, I said, you know what really is amazing to me is that, uh, you know, when a black man um, gets shot mm -hmm. by a cop, which is a tragedy, and it's a crime, yeah. and the cop should be hold, held accountable. Right, right. And uh, But everybody's ready to burn the town down. Mm -hmm. But I said, uh, when a thousand black babies are murdered in the womb, mm -hmm. nobody says a word. Mm -hmm. I said, it's a case of genocide. I said, imagine them wiping out a nation, you know, since 1973, mm -hmm. we've killed a nation of black people the size of Nigeria. For sure, for sure. And, and you know, and nobody, and so it, to me, I, I've, I've often said that some of the best practical reconstructionists I've met mm -hmm. are the abolitionists, the people that are out there day in and day out. Right, right. Uh, with, you know, preaching the gospel, calling people to repent, calling yeah. the church to repent mm -hmm. because they're they're walking the walk. Yeah. And if your reconstructionism isn't applying biblical solutions to real world problems, mm -hmm. it's just it's just theoretical. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think um you know we can sometimes we can learn a lot from the world and the reason why I say this is because as far as the church goes, um you don't see much uh, being said as far as um, blacks being shot down in the streets, right? And then on the other hand, you have, like you said, many people are rioting about black people getting shot who are in the world, but yet on the abortion side, they're not. But in the church, you have the church who is going against, you know, abortion full time. So it's it's kind of like this conflict, you know. Well, schizophrenia. And, right, yeah. And then the, here's the other thing, though, too. You know, one thing that I've seen is that um, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to, um, uh, you know, blacks getting shot, you know, uh, by police officers, um, one thing I've seen is that not the church, but the black conscious movement, the Hebrew Israelites, the, the black Muslims are actually speaking to both issues. So they're in these communities telling people that abortion is, is wrong, you know, but the church is from a distance yelling, why are black people killing their own babies? But they're not in the communities telling black people. So it's like, you can't, you can't really speak to somebody's situation being so you know, far-fetched. And that's why it's important to be engaged in the community. Not to say that you cannot say anything at all, but who are they, who are they really listening to? And then one thing that's assumed of the culture is because, because um, what we see on TV is the riots and whatnot. And here's the thing too, when you think about abortions even being, uh, you know, a huge thing amongst a black community. Well, who put them in the community in the first place? Who's putting the liquor stores in the community in the first place? You know what I mean? Not to you know, point, put a blame game out, but this was uh, systemic. You know, this was intentional you well, know what I mean? to destroy a community. Well, I, I maintain that uh, is that ra uh, um, racism, mm -hmm. it, it weaponized racism. Right, right. I, I call it weaponized. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it's a tactic mm -hmm. that the enemy uses. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a government tool. Right, right, for I sure. I mean, uh, racism uh, is as, as reprehensible as man-stealing, and that's a capital crime, right, and right. our ownership of an individual uh, is uh, real racism. And, and, and obviously there was a distinction between ethnicities. Uh, yeah. Black people were considered to be family members in some cases but mm -hmm. couldn't sit in the same pew at church right, which right, is a, right. Yeah. It, back in the in the 1800s mm -hmm. but real racial real racial tension did not result as a, it did not come from slavery mm -hmm. it came from reconstruction it came from the federal government mm -hmm. saying that we can't let a problem we can't let a disaster go to waste mm -hmm. and so they began to restructure much like vietnam most people don't realize that mm -hmm. That one of the things that, that that really tore Vietnam apart is that the CIA came into North Vietnam and brought the the uh, men people down south and the Camu people up north, 
or the uh, vice versa, but brought the Camu people who were primarily Catholic, mm-hmm. brought them down south and put them in positions of government authority. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and, and the men people who were from there were disenfranchised. And so government, especially our government, yeah. uses... Mm-hmm. Uh, uses race as a weapon oh, yeah. to keep people distracted and divided so that they can, you know, and one party wants to control us with fear, the other wants to control us with social programs. Right, right. But then again, the Marxists do the same thing in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in the ANC in South Africa and more people really come out of the matrix, they realize that our mm-hmm. government is Marxist. They right, may not yeah, yeah. use the same lingo, but they... but. Um, where are we going with this? I don't want to get too yeah. far off the yeah, off yeah. the beaten path. What's interesting is that people like the the um, Black Hebrew movement, mm-hmm. uh, Black Muslims, yeah, uh, and that would be Louis Farrakhan, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they yeah. are Reconstructionists, right? Yeah, they're that's, just not. That's, cr- that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna make that point too. That's why it's not gonna be so hard to convince people of this being biblical. I mean, it was, it's one thing to preach the gospel to them, but it's another thing when you talk about Reconstruction, they're already they're already doing that. They're already believing in Reconstruction. Now, there might be issues as far as how much government should be involved. That is something I think is going to be a problem in the black community because we're so dependent upon the government doing things for us um, and uh, expecting them to be the ones to save us. You know, One thing I was listening to, I don't know if you've ever listened to this brother, Joel Salatin, and he is uh, the king of the organic farmers. This guy's a really wise and smart brother. Yeah. And I encourage, and he talks about turning the food deserts, which mm-hmm. is the vacant lots of the inner cities right. into, into gardens of Eden. But you know what, who's doing that here? The black conscious movement, you know what I mean? And that's why, that's why it's important to have church plants in the inner city like ours who the more majority of our church is ready to plant gardens They're, we're ready to do practical things like that and teach and educate the community how to survive and of course when you do that you know who's going to be the biggest uh, the, the hurdle of course would be the like the city code inspectors yeah, yeah. and and, and exactly. people like that so do you have to go ahead if you now the black consciousness movement you said explain it to our listeners yeah, yeah. because a lot of us don't know right well what I would black say consciousness black, black is. consciousness can comprise of like you know many different um, groups so even the Hebrew Israelites would they would say that they're conscious so they would use the term awake you know and so basically the black um, conscious movement um, you know has its has its roots in um, many different leaders I mean you have your Marcus Garvey's and um, but in, anyway um, to get to the point of, of what black consciousness would be it would be basically a group of people who um, from a religious perspective they would say um, that Christianity is a white man's religion right um, and so that would kind of be a root and the reason um, a lot of them are motivated to go that route is because of their bitterness towards uh, the history of African Americans here in, in the country, and so they're trying to find some practical uh, truth, you know, what I'm saying that liberates them. So therefore, you have, you know, your Louis Farrakhan's who are uh, engaged in social issues, and so since he's engaged in social issues, they're gonna get, you know, uh, give him their ear. You see what I'm saying? Same thing with the Hebrew Israelites. Same thing with. Um, just your typical um some of them who are just uh egyptologists you know um so your egyptologists basically you know believing that the woman is god uh all yeah yeah so <laughs> it gets deep yeah so the, the woman is god and you know uh believing that uh christianity was stolen from egypt you know uh egyptian religions and whatnot so it's a, it's a mixture of a, a lot of things combined however one thing they share in common is uh, the fact that they're aware of the systemic injustice um, that's done here in, a, in, in America, so towards African Americans. Had to get the windows open, and we're in the truck here with uh, with Traveris, and uh, we're talking about the uh, Black Identity Movement, uh, Black uh, Hebrew Israelite, Black yeah, Black Consciousness. Are they, are they, would you call them racist? Uh, a lot of them are, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hebrew Israelites, yeah, for sure, straight racist. I mean. I run into so many of them. I was actually in uh, uh, Denny's uh, having a Bible study with uh, a brother of mine, and he's actually Puerto Rican and Italian, but he looks like you know Caucasian. So um, Hebrew Israelites, for some reason, at that specific location, we ran into like you know three different people on three different occasions that came up to us and were very aggressive, wanted to fight us, wanted to were mad at me because I was having a Bible study with him, you know, so yeah, oh yeah, there's there's definitely um, racism 
um, a lot of them will actually use the Bible, you know, to say that uh, the white man is the devil. He's from, you know, uh, Cain and whatnot. So, um, it's, yeah. <laughs> how, how uh, have you read much apologetics? As far as what, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm extremely into apologetics, but is there a specific? Well, like Bonson, have you read, have you read any Bonson? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, you're presuppositional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's is uh, apologetics been a significant is there a significant opportunity here right, by yeah. engaging these different groups mm -hmm. in a debating format or into a, a, a yeah. public dialoguing format where you have a chance to use right. presuppositionalism mm -hmm. to advance your position yeah. and to silence the critics and to help build a bridge to these communities seems like you said they're already reconstructionists yeah yeah they're just not christian reconstructionists right, exactly, yeah. so the question is is how do we build a bridge to these guys how, well, what sort of questions do you have to ask them what sorts of discussions do you have to have with these people well because um, you consider everybody in america i mean in the south at least the people you run into Mm -hmm. Do you run into anybody who's not been exposed to the gospel in some form or fashion? Um, yes, I actually have. Matter of fact, in the community um, that we minister in, um, I had somebody actually come to my Bible study by accident. They were coming to the community center, and she had never been to church, never been to a Bible study. And I thought it was to the point where, like, okay, she she's heard of Jesus at least, but I'm explaining, you know, a text, and she's like, well, hold on, explain that part, explain this part. And I'm like, hold on, she doesn't know anything, you know, as far as the Christian faith. But as far as, like, just being exposed to the culture of Christianity, like, it's, it's very rare. But the gospel itself, I mean, I rarely run into anybody who really knows the gospel. So... That might be instructive um, to think about that is that how do you take a person, you know, when, you know, like when we try to communicate with people. Yeah. And this is pretty tactical in spite of the noise. So if y'all war room listeners can, you faithful listeners can hang in here with me. We're in a truck stop here and so there's a lot of noise around. So hang with us here because this is kingdom stuff. <laughs> um, we communicate mm -hmm. by virtue of language. Right, right. We presume that mm -hmm. when I say certain things, mm -hmm. I, as presuppositions, yeah. this guy's going to understand that I'm communicating with him. Right. Now, again, <laughs> you don't want to make too many presumptions because people... Yeah. But, but on the point of communicating with people, mm -hmm. and you've got people that are... Um, in, our, in our land, because we have a, a, a secular education system a thoroughly humanistic yeah. uh, public culture right right so maybe we are outrunning our christian heritage and we and you in in it and maybe it is possible to run into people who virtually have zero mm -hmm. exposure mm -hmm. to the bible or the christian faith yeah I mean, I mean, I mean what's, so what's happening even in our communities is, is this, is that because of the awakening of the black conscious movement, people are actually, now these are not Christians, pulling their children out of public school, right? And they're educating them themselves. And so these people, the only exposure they will have to Christianity will be an apologetic sense to show that Christianity is actually wrong and it's borrowed from, uh, you know, Egypt religion, Egyptian religions. So now you have a brand new generation. They buying into that whole zeitgeist movie thing? So, I mean, it's the same thing, basically, yeah. Basically, I mean, Jesus is Horus, blah, right, blah, yeah. blah, But there's another documentary, and this is, um, so this is something that I think a lot of people who want to engage into inner city uh, missions need to know about, is a, a documentary called Hidden Colors, and I think right now it's about four or five uh, documentaries, and Hidden Colors basically is a group of black people uh, who are very prominent in the black community, and they're exposing you know, so-called exposing Christianity, but they're exposing, you know, all the you know, systemic injustice and whatnot uh, against African-Americans in, in America. So this is what is is uh, influencing my community. This is what is influencing the next generation. This is what they're being raised upon, not Christianity. So it's so. really, if you're going to be a black pastor. Right, right. And you're going to have any relevance at all, you better be a black reconstructionist pastor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not reconstructing something, oh, yeah. you're an also-ran. They're gonna get you're gonna get ran out of the community. 
you know, it's what's interesting is uh, uh, the other uh, brother who teaches at the church, he was telling me they were out evangelizing in his uh, neighborhood the other day and they ran into somebody who was part of the black conscious movement. And he was trying to explain to him about oppression and whatnot. And he was surprised to find out that, you know, m you know my brother, he agreed with a lot of things he was saying. And I think, um, you know, that's that's an issue because he would have never given him the time of day if he wasn't able to explain like look i agree on like reconstructionist points right and then he was he was able to listen you know to see okay well wait i've never heard christianity explained in that way i never heard that the bible actually promotes justice in that way so yeah, yeah. well that's that's like what uh that's like what joel salatin was saying i i uh listened to uh one of his messages last night presentation yeah. he was talking about how he was able to most of his friends were hippies and and, and, and you know, earth worshipers right, and right. pantheists and all that. But because he was a conservationist mm -hmm. and he was a, a biblical Christian conservationist, we could, you know, that they, he was able to, they'd never heard Christians ever mm -hmm. express anything. Like he said, that, you know, he said, you know what really kills your testimony if you're trying to build a bridge between environmentalists or Green Party members or hippies or left lefties? Mm -hmm. When you tell them that you're, you know, you, you're at your church potluck dinner and you're trying to decide whether to use paper or plastic he said that drives them crazy he said that destroys their your witness you he said you have just sunk any opportunity to communicate with them they want you to know why you're not going down to the goodwill and buying some old tupperware and washing it you know they don't want to yeah, yeah. You, you're using paint you're gonna put plastic plates and toss them into a landfill somewhere don't don't bring that gospel to me yeah yeah that, Man, I tell you what. Uh, let it up. Well, the noise here is just <laughs> the noise here is just so out over the top. Yeah. And I and and I think that you're an important brother to talk to. And um, I'm wondering um, just how much we can continue with this. Yeah. Uh, is this. I mean, I can, I mean, I'm good with the heat. I don't. I mean, if you want to let the windows back up, with, I, mean, I don't know. Then, I don't know. You might be too hot up there. No, I mean I'm, yeah. I can I can suck it up. <laughs> but my dog, can. Unless you need to go, do you think we need to go somewhere else? Or? Well, uh, I don't know. Um, let's just. This is crazy. It's crazy what I do. I can't believe I do it. You know, normally I do it at night. Oh, I park way away from people. Yeah, you have yeah. Skype on your computer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what we might want to do is try to get together on by Skype. Okay. Either tonight or tomorrow night. Okay. Where I can shut down. Yeah. And I'll be away from all this mad noise. Yeah, yeah. We can do it quietly. You'll be in your home. Yeah. And, 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 and do it like that. This is crazy. <laughs> this noise is un insane. All right. We're going to try to make something out of this interview here. We've We've... Travers has taken the time to come up here and meet me at the truck stop and there's a lot of ambient noise but we're going to try to suffer through it and 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 knock out another few minutes uh Travers, you what we were talking about are uh, black identity movements uh um, black islam and various different and, and and these are reconstructionist movements these religions are about changing mm -hmm. culture about making a, a an impact right right and and by and large christianity you know you see the uh, Mount Zion Holiness House of Deliverance storefront and they're not what are they about right right so they're just about you know you getting your blessing and making sure that their pockets are filled for the most part um, I mean some of them do have genuine uh, you know there are some churches out there that want to see people saved you know what I mean um, and and but that that's where it ends. Well, it's that's like what you the idea of getting. Heaven, you yeah, know. but yeah, but to get people saved, it just means you got more people that are depositing right. in the collection. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. his the question is: is how many are out there wanting to extend mm -hmm. Christ's kingdom into every dimension and area sphere of life? Exactly. Yeah. 
And so we've become to the point, and it, what's funny is a lot of times you'll hear people say, make the statement, uh, don't become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But these are the same people that are just like, hey, just preach the gospel, just make sure people, you know, get saved. And they don't want to get involved in social issues because, um, you know, this world is coming to an end anyway, you know, Christ is about to come back, you know, and, and that's just... It really is a package deal in the sense that you've got to have not only uh, reformed soteriology. Well, you know, think about this, though. This is one thing I've noticed about, I've, I've rubbed shoulders and been close enough to the... Um, I don't want to say charismatic movement, but mm -hmm. to charismatic brethren. Yeah. And, and I, in the interest of full disclosure, I, I speak in tongues. <laughs> okay. Okay. Woohoo! That, <laughs> that felt good to get off my chest. I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't do it regularly, but I, you know, <laughs> that just. But you know, hey, listen. There's a whole mm. stream of of reconstructionist thinking now that hey, this whole continuation is, mm. you know, this whole cessation thing that the spirit gifts have ceased and mm -hmm. and I, I, I don't see that yeah. I mean it's, I may not be I may not be anyway it's not about <laughs> me but anyway um, what was I going to say a lot of these charismatics mm -hmm. are really right I mean they're, they're not far from post-millennialism right, anyway yeah. a lot of them have got this Seven Hills Dominion or taken, you know, they, they got this name it, claim it. Right, yeah, they're which more is, optimistic than your average, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you, don't hear, you don't hear a lot about the rapture from uh, the name it, claim it yeah, yeah. people. Well, that's because they don't have a defeated mentality because at least they see some, some form of victory in, in the scriptures, but, you know, of course, they, you know, perverted, so um, that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, and so, so on that note, just I want to add on to mm -hmm. that, you know, what our communities are seeing is that, right? So then if you're in a community where all you see is people, you know, uh, who are naming it and claiming it and whatnot, and that is what they believe the gospel is, you know, um, and then they start to see the hypocrisy in the church, then that actually push, that, that pushes them away. And that's that's their only exposure to what Christianity is. That's what their experience of, you know. What about the apostolic movement? What about the, like, the uh, T.D. Jakes and people like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so the thing about them is, obviously, they preach uh, another gospel. However, somebody like T.D. Jakes is actually doing things for the community. Now, there's a church actually here, and they preach a prosperity gospel. However, they do things like for single women, um, they fix their cars on what, every Friday or something like that. So they're like, they're very engaged in like, you know, political things and whatnot. However, again, I think the issue is that even though they're... I think those single women would rather get the church be finding them husbands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the husbands fix their car. Right, right, yeah. You know, that would be a reconstruction. Right. Yeah, that's the difference between pietism and reconstruction. The yeah. pietistic church, they want to go out and help these women. They want to help these single mothers and mm -hmm. fixing their cars on the weekend. Yeah. And the reconstructions want to get them hooked up with husbands <laughs> who will fix their cars. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, and that's going to take a while because typically what you see in the black community is that more women will go to church than men. And, that, and that's probably like true of, you know, America in general, but I mean, especially in the black community. Let's talk about you know? that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Who are black men's heroes? Who are black men's heroes? Um, it just depends on who you ask because of, that's, a, that's a very complex question. So... Yeah, very, very complex. <laughs> but, um, I mean, if you want to talk about from the side of just the sinfulness of our culture, I mean, the heroes would be... Sports, uh, sports rap, icons? Sports, rappers, the drug dealer on the corner. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much the hero. So. The, 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 the it's not a pastor. <laughs> it's not a pastor. It's like people like 50 Cent. Right, yeah. People, Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah. And people like that who have gone into... Yeah. They have transcended... Their situation and have broken into the right, right. into the world of power. Yeah. What? Why do you suppose that people have a black people have a a, a sense of? I just I know why they feel victim because they get they're being profiled, pulled out of their cars, and shot. Yeah. But but I mean, when you've got a, a a black chief executive, a black attorney general, black senators, black congressmen. Black mayors, black yeah. police chiefs. Right, that aren't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're not calling for justice, are right. they? Yeah, exactly. Have they bought into the power? I think they're actually, the black is just their disguise. They're actually Marxist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what are they doing, really? I mean, uh, I forgot who it was, but I, I think they had, um, when that police shooting happened um, in Texas, where you had the black um, 
the black, you know, the black shooter, right? Right. And so then they had, you know, this black, you know, officer come and speak on that. Yeah, this was a black man that shot, you know, so I think it's just kind of like, you know, um, you know, a lot of them are being used as puppets, you know what I mean, um, to, to appeal to the black community. Um, and I'm not saying that's true of all of them. I mean, I know that, um, I think a lot of it just has to do with a lot of ignorance. You know, a lot of people just don't. Well, what's interesting about you, Traveris, is that you didn't go to Westminster. You weren't raised yeah. in the suburbs. Right. You weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Your father wasn't the chief executive officer of a big corporation. Yeah. You are, you are, you are so, being true to your roots. Yeah, yeah. You, so, you are, you are. So I've had, you know, and the thing is, I think a good thing. I, yeah, I haven't been to a Westminster. You know, I wasn't raised in a Reformed church or anything like that. However, I've had exposure to different cultures. You know, I've had exposure to, so you know, the suburbs. I've had exposure to the inner city. You know, so I've had a good mixture of exposure. However, um, you know, yes, roots being, you know. Um, and you know, a black man. My, my family's black. I can't get away from that. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah. I mean, I don't know if you had a question in regards to that. Well, what I'm saying is that I, I just was making a commentary. Is that you are you're a man who lives it every day. I mean, you, you're you're living in a, in the community that you were raised in. You haven't. You, you're you're not pretending it to be anything you aren't. And uh, you're an organic young black guy some would say that your life expectancy is not long right yeah for sure in america yeah. in, in, in a place like jacksonville yeah. is that duval county right yeah, duval county, and y'all have yeah. had your problem with 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 cops that are out of control right oh yeah for sure yeah they're dealing with a case right now that's um real big um you ever thought about you need to start wearing a clerical collar just to identify <laughs> yourself don't shoot i'm a i'm a yeah. i'm a prelate yeah. just the other day i actually my uh, one of my cars broke down and i was sitting on the side of the highway and all I could think of was was the guy who just got shot. Who had four kids, and I guess he was a pastor too. You know, was he a pastor? I, that's what I heard. You know, I, I don't know it for sure, but that's what I heard. He's a pastor with four kids. I'm like, man, I'm sitting here in the same situation, and a police officer pulls up, and he gets out, and he's got his hands all by his waist, and he's like, from you know, from this is like what seems to be the problem, sir. You know, and I'm like, look, I got my hands up, and I got my dad on the phone, and he's like, hey, make sure you don't get shot. You know what I mean? So. I mean, this is a reality. I mean, people don't you think live that, this stuff. you know, yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, how did it end? He ended up, um, you know, I ended up being able to explain to him what the issue was and he ended up actually helping. So all situations, of course, don't end badly. However, he, you know, you could tell the nervousness between both of us, you know, he's coming up to me with his hands by his waist, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, I got countless stories of, you know, me and my brother getting pulled over, you know, being in a, a, a white neighborhood and them thinking that we, we shouldn't be there. And yeah, we um, see it every day yeah. on, on the news feeds. Yeah, so it's, it's real. It's a real thing, and I think a lot of people don't think it is. Now, you have a, you, is your congregation mixed ethnicity, or is it all black? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, all black pretty much right now. So we have people that have come that have been, uh, you know, from different ethnicities, white, Hispanic, but, you know, um, Right now, it's just like all black. Is there, is there, this is kind of neither here nor there, but it's curious. Is there tension between the black and and Latino community like there is between the black and the white, or no, not so much? No, nah, I wouldn't say at all. Do you they know, feel like I mean, they're both like, oppressed? Are they yeah. both? No, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I would call say, the Latinos my. Yeah, for sure. If they're minorities, they won't be minority long. Where they, yeah. but I mean, some people will tell you that. I mean, Latinos are black anyway. So, I mean, if you just look, at, you know, historically, at, you know. Um, but anyway, I mean, yeah, I would say they share the same sentiments. You know, the same stuff goes on. They live in the same neighborhoods. I mean, the barber shop down the street from from you know where I live is a Hispanic barber shop, and then yeah, it's a you know predominantly black community. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all the same battle. What's are, getting exposed? Are, 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 are black Christians suspicious of white Christians? What our motives are? I think a lot of times, yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair statement. I've talked to a lot of black um, Christians and I've even um, had this conversation amongst my church to make sure that we're not assuming people's motives are based on what they say. We even had this conversation yesterday about different statements that our brothers may make that they may not know that they may come off in you know uh insensitive you know well i was thinking about myself i was thinking gee i wonder if Traveris would have appreciated this whole experience more if i had never ever made one reference to his ethnicity mm. if that would have been 
a better experience for him. He said, Traveris, I'm here to talk to you today about limited atonement, about, or about, you know, about uh, reformed soteriology. And we never one time ever mentioned your your background, where you live, the conditions that you were raised in, your the people that you minister to, as if that was that was the essence of your life. The essence of your life is that you're united with Christ, mm-hmm. and we don't want to lose sight of that. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, I don't take offense to. Him. I think it's a very important conversation that needs to happen now. You know, of course. Well, certainly, just getting to know you. Yeah, yeah. You know, once we've yeah. once we've felt each other out and. Yeah. And you have been, you become known to, to other brothers and sisters. Now, are you, you're, you are, what do you do? Tell me about your, 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 your schedule. Um, what, A, what you, about your, your occupation? You're in real estate now. Are you a real estate agent for a realtor, a real estate firm? Or are you, yeah. are you basically a real estate entrepreneur? Yeah. You, you switching, you swap, are you flipping and buying and selling all that? Yeah. And then, about your 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 children involved in a homeschool co-op, mm-hmm. is, uh, is that uh, from your congregation alone, or does that involve other congregations? So, the, uh, so to answer your first question, um, as far as real estate, um, yeah, I'm a part of a firm, so a brokerage, um, and I sell real estate. So, sell for those who um, are looking to sell and help buyers, you know, find homes, and I help you know renters as well, um, and do some property management, but. The ultimate um, goal is to get capital from that and invest into actual real estate. So, um, and so I'm an entrepreneur. I don't go by anybody's schedule. I have to work a nine to five at this point, and I do some insurance on the side too. So, definitely an entrepreneur frees me up for ministry as well. Um, although, of course, that's still hard to balance the two, especially in the context that I'm in. You know, um, <clears throat> but as far as a co-op, um, it's actually uh, a mixture of. It's called classical conversations. And um, it's a mixture of congregations, and we meet at, right now we meet at a church. Not all of the communities meet at a church. They meet at different places around town. So the one we meet at has is a mixture of a bunch of different congregations. Um, so Okay. Yeah. And then and in terms of your, uh, your, your, your responsibilities as uh, elder, uh, teacher yeah. uh, at this congregation, you all meet on... Sundays, do you have a, 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 a? So Sunday we meet. Uh, Wednesday we have a prayer meeting. Um, so we have a prayer meeting on Wednesday. Sunday we have a prayer meeting morning before church, and then we. Uh, you mean y'all just meet just to pray? Yep, exactly. That's the that's that's the uh, that is the uh, foundation of the church. Some would say that that's almost a that's almost a thing of days gone by. Oh yeah. Well, you know, actually, when I left my former church, I said I couldn't really see myself going to a church that didn't have a prayer meeting so even if this church for whatever reason in ended or whatever the case would be i really would be looking for a church that has uh, well you have it you have a leg up you're the pastor so you can you can kind of lead you can kind of lead them yeah uh talk about your youth and just the people now your congregation is it a young congregation Predominantly, yes, but we do have some uh, older people that are starting to come. Some of the parents, you know, we're seeing, you know, revival amongst our families. Um, do you have some good uh, elders and deacons who are uh, go out to battle with you? Do you all have a community outreach? No, <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, the things that we've attempted to do have been specific, you know, on our own. We've had some pastors that reached out saying, how can we partner and things like that. However, um, there has not been any necessarily any fruit of that. There is one pastor that I'm talking to now who I believe is very genuine about doing that. So we'll see how, how it goes. But I mean, the things that we do, I mean, we, when we go to abortion clinics, the only people we see are the Catholics. You know, we don't even see any reformed. So you are going out to abortion yeah. mills. Mm-hmm. Yes, are you using AHA materials by any chance? No, no. Um, we just I'm, make our own signs. I'm going to give like you that. some. I'm going to give you some stuff today before uh-huh. you leave. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and encourage you to touch base with those guys out there in Norman, Oklahoma, AHAgear.com, okay. brother, they got the stuff. Yeah. Like this shirt here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nice, yeah. And then uh, the message on the back, it's, uh, it's uh, what does it say on the back here? It says, uh, the time for justice is always now. That's yeah. right. And you know, a lot of people have, that I've talked to in the church have a problem with that. <laughs> they think that, you know, we just need to go out to the abortion clinics and just proclaim the gospel if we're going and and yes we need to proclaim the gospel but we're also calling people to repentance 
Um, and I don't think people see abortion as uh, such, you know, as a, as a as deep as an issue as it is. You know what I mean? Um, National sin. Yeah. Sixty million babies yeah. murdered. That's right. that we can count mm-hmm. from surgical abortions, yeah. and not including pharmaceutical mm-hmm. abortions. Right, right. Well, so that's like that's the genocide. That's yeah. that's killing a nation. For sure. Yeah. And probably a disproportionate percentage of those have been black children. Yeah. That will never see the light of day. Right. And that's, of course, uh, and many people have pointed out before that, uh, that uh, you know, Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. the founders, her roots, yeah. uh, was as a bigoted uh, a racist. Yeah, so their plan worked, Planned Parenthood, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, Traveris, uh you are going to continue to uh, write on, and, and hopefully you'll be uh, given opportunities to You'll have opportunities to tra- to travel with your family and and visit and to hook up. I've given you the names of a few people here, and yeah. I want you to always think of us as a ready resource. Of you know, I'm not the answer man, but I know a lot of people who are right. smarter and wiser and godlier than me, and yeah. so that anytime you all have an issue, you don't you know you don't have to be Rambo. You know, you've got brothers and sisters that want to partner with you and uh, come alongside of you, as you said, not to, not to take over or to bail you out because you're no, you're you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have the gifts that you need. God hasn't put you out here naked. Yeah. He's given you all the tools you need to do what His will is. Yeah. And uh, and so we appreciate the opportunity to meet with you. It's been kind of a strange conditions here in the truck stop, hot, warm day. Uh, and all that, but it's, it's great to meet you. Yeah. And uh, and uh, folks, we pray you just you follow this brother. And, uh, and, and uh, I don't know exactly what the takeaway is here. You know, ordinarily I like to come out with a real strong, you know, positive takeaway. I got to write down a description of well, what did we talk about? Well, we just, you know, here's a 62 year old old white guy with a Confederate battle flag on his arm. Meeting a young black man from the inner city in Jacksonville, Florida, and I can tell you that you know Jesus Christ is the reason. Amen. And uh, and 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 we're brothers in the Lord, and uh, you know hatred between us. Yeah. And uh, so we love him, and we're uh, pleased to have him here on uh, Reconstructionist Radio on his War Room debut. So. Uh, Traveris, Godspeed, and we'll hear from you again, brother. All right. On the War Room. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? 